Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Belly show. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have the Michael Sharkey. Good morning to you. And good, I should say good afternoon to you. Is that right? Yes, indeed. We're, uh, we're going transatlantic today, which is great. This is the beauty of Zoom. This is the beauty of uh, sort of connecting worldwide. So listen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us, Michael, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? So uh, I like to think I'm from all over the world, but that's just a, a desire. It's probably the better way to put it, though. I'll get into world schooling my children soon. But um, right now I'm in Oaxaca, Mexico, uh, the city of Oaxaca de Juarez. Um, but I spend a little bit of time here uh, and a little bit of time in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is kind of where I've been the last 20 years. But um, um, yeah, it, it's it's more... Um, the desire to be from a lot of different places is that we world schooled our children. So we took our kids out of the public school system in the States um, when they were pretty young, second and fourth grade, uh, and just really devoted to a life of teaching them, unschooling them, world schooling them, travel. You know, they're 18 and 20 now. So if they turned out okay. So one check in the box for doing things a little differently, but um you know, been to a lot of different places, which we can talk about in a little while, but, um, it's, it's great to be on your podcast. As I said, as we got started, because this is what I do. Uh, I, t- I, from a business side, I help entrepreneurs and, uh, really mission-driven entrepreneurs and thought leaders create compelling and interesting and unique podcasts. Um, and I thought yours, uh, was one of those podcasts that I guess, I, I don't know if I'm a bit jaded, but maybe I just, listen and see so many podcasts day in and day out. So I just, yours caught me immediately. I was like, I want to be on that podcast. Mighty Pete, Mighty Pete's got a thing going there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we can dive into this more, but it's a, it's a job that I absolutely love because I believe in what you and I are doing right now, uh, largely because we're going to have a really good conversation and um, how a person who is going to listen to this or watch it however they choose, but specifically around audio medium, how they listen to that can be just such an intimate experience. And as you listen to people talk, um, you tend to take away things um, that you need to take away. And audio is such a powerful medium. Podcasts have exploded over the last really two years, two to three years. They've been around for a while, but exploded, which really was no surprise to me because my entire background was talk show hosts and uh, radio personalities and things like that. So I've seen it for a long, long, long time. Well, so I mean, is, is audio your preferred method of communication then? Is that, is that up there for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, I primarily, when I work with people, it's audio first. Well, eventually, you know, we work in, you know, I always show them how you can take one audio podcast and if we do it over zoom, like you and I are now, you know, you can do a video piece, you can transcribe it for a blog. It kind of becomes sort of the core of your content from a business end and people always going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all of this stuff? And I'm like, we'll start with a podcast and you do it all right there. Um, but it really starts with audio because as I mentioned a moment ago, 
how somebody listens is such an intimate experience. It can be so profound and powerful for them that I try to coach people to do something more than just, you know, Hey, here's a podcast for my business and here's this week's special or et cetera, that sort of thing. Mm. No, absolutely. I think it's, it's, um, makes a lot of sense. Tell me that that's quite an interesting, um, view on it there that actually it is such an intimate experience, right? Because, we, you know, someone's picking up your voice or my voice or whatever it is, and that is energetically transferred. And then it's the little voice in our head that then mm. reads it out to us, right? So it's, it's, you're getting right into somebody's head by doing this, right? Yeah. I always say, um, uh, people, um, listen in like high definition or they listen in 4K. And what I, what I experienced in years and years and years of working in where audio is it you know, your broadcast radio stations, your breakfast shows, things like that, is that people oftentimes would hear somebody and never know what they look like. So there was always this sort of thing where you talk to people and they were like, oh my gosh, it like 99 times out of a hundred. It was, I thought you were, you know, taller. I thought you were, you know, there was, we just create an image in our mind when we don't know what somebody looks like that tends to be a pretty good image, especially when they say things that resonate with us because we want to believe that like, and then you meet somebody and they're, you know, four foot 11 and they weigh 300 pounds. And you're like, oh my gosh, I thought you were taller and, and slimmer or whatnot. I always thought, I always got, I thought you'd be younger. So I don't know. I was like, I, I don't know that that's a good thing, but <laughs> okay. Um, but it is, you're right. It's just such an intimate thing because people take in this information and, and they, they, you know, people listening to fire in the belly right now are eavesdropping on this conversation. And if we do it right, they can walk away with something that they can noodle on and digest and think about regardless of where the conversation goes or regardless. So that's why, again, audio can just be so powerful. Mm, absolutely. Well, well, give us a bit of a teaser. You talked how you could multipurpose the likes of this sort of content into multiple different ways, video transcription, et cetera. I mean, is there a, is there a golden rule about repurposing and things like that? I don't think there is. I think that um, you know, one guru will tell you one thing and another will tell you another, but a simple blueprint, uh, if I'm helping somebody with a podcast is start with a podcast, as I said. Um, and then from that podcast, you can do a lot of different things with video you can again, zoom chats. If they're conversations, you can video yourself. I often recommend that people just do a quick, you know, 45 second video on their phone and say, go listen to my podcast. Um, but then you can through any number of services have your entire podcast transcribed, which we can get, you know, you get into the business of it. It helps with your SEO and all that stuff. Um, but what it invariably does is, you know, I used to think, well, there's nobody who would ever read a podcast. That's, that's ridiculous. They're not going to do that. But what I find is that observing people over the last few years is people, they don't read podcasts, but they go through and they just seem to able to skim it. If you have it on your website and they'll find a piece like, Oh, I want to listen at that point or that point or that point. So, you know, from a business perspective, if you were, a, if you were listening to this as an entrepreneur and you were thinking, how might I start a podcast and then repurpose all that content? It's, you know, it's start with audio and then go into video and then go and then transcribe it for blogs. And there's all the different social stuff that you can do for your Instagrams and your, and your Facebooks, et cetera. Mm, absolutely. It's, and as you said, it's a, it's a medium that seems to be, you know, really sort of starting to tick off and accelerate at the moment. Mm. So that's, it's great. It's, it's definitely out there. Oh yeah. It's powerful. 
So tell us, what does fur in the belly mean to you, Michael? You know, uh, a, a, a guy that I worked with when I was in the corporate world many, many, many years ago, he would always use it in kind of a negative term. And what he would always say is, he would say, like, he would always say, you know, you've got to go manage your staff in such a way where you've got to take the fire in your belly and put it in their belly. But he always came about it with such a, it was like a negative thing. It was this, you know, you, the, a, a fire in your belly or a pit in your stomach or et cetera. Um, and I, I remember that so vividly because it was so like, I used to think, I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I think the fire in the belly is supposed to mean something different. And for me, it was always such a thing about, you know, what is that thing? And we all have a thing, all of us, all 7.7 .7 billion of us, regardless of our class, our socioeconomic economic standard, we all have a thing, our contribution, you know, what I like to say is what gets us up in the morning and what keeps us up at night. And, and we all have it. And, it, you know, for every single one of us, it's different. And for me, the fire in the belly is that it is that thing that, that as much as, as much as we often do things in our life to support our family and things like that, we're all here sort of in this space for a reason. And I believe that that fire is a reminder of what that reason is. And we get that fire, we get that excitement, we get that energy, that creative power, that creative force that comes up. And so that's why it's, again, I still think one of to, to immediately see the name of your podcast. I'm like, ah, I know what that's about. My boss from 10 years ago doesn't know what it's about, but I know what it's about. <laughs> I've, ne I've never had that uh, negative side in it. That sounds more like dictatorship. So, uh, oh, it was a, he was a bit, he was a bit that way. He was a bit that way. You've got to go put the fire in their belly. And I'm like, you know, I think that's a positive thing. I don't think you're using it right. <laughs> So. Oh, I love it. Love it. So tell me what, what gives you then energy and excitement and creativity and power? What, what floats your boat, Michael? I, it's this, I mean, it, it's something, um, it's, I love helping and coaching people, but specifically around this, you know, I mean, you, you are, you are clearly comfortable in the conversation role. You're comfortable doing podcasts. You've done many, many, many episodes, but for so many people, this is something that is a daunting experience. Um, and for many people, like what I try to, uh, to tell them is, you know, you've got a great story to tell, you have a fire in your belly, you have a mission. Um, and what a great way to share that. Yes, we can grow your business and, and introduce all those types of things that, that, are, that make it valuable and you get the ROI and all that stuff. Um, but really what it's about is, can you go out there and tell your story? Can you go out there and with a podcast uh, as, a, as a companion to your work or to your business, or maybe it's just a companion to your legacy, go out and be brave enough and courage and, and have enough courage to tell that story and then have enough courage to honestly tell the story in an environment for many people that's very um, foreign. And that is this, I'm talking into a microphone, I've got headphones on, I'm in a room by myself, that sort of thing. Um, so coaching people around, you know, tearing down some of those walls. Um, what I find in working with people with podcasts is it just turns into a very personal coaching experience, as opposed to we're going to do a podcast about a widget and you're going to talk about this widget every week, et cetera. What I try to do is encourage people that there's strength and vulnerability and there's power in vulnerability uh, and that it's important to share. Um, and, you know, for me, 
that started when I was just a little kid burning around. I believe that our fire, the fire in our belly starts to light around 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, I've just seen too many examples that if you look at people who are really, really happy with their professional choices or their, whatever their mission was in life, you can kind of point to somewhere around that age, playing with cars and trucks and doing things that they were, there was something happening in them at that time that if they paid attention, it was like, Hey, yeah, there's, there's a little thing that's telling you that if you, if you love it at 10, you're probably going to love it at 50. And for me, it was the little cassette recorder with the microphone and recording myself over and over again, recording my friends and, you know, weaseling my way at 12 years old into a, a radio station nearby. So I could go into the big studio. Um, but what I learned as I got a little bit older and by a little bit, I mean, 13, 14, 15 through all of that time, that, uh, that weird, you know, I raised two children. So if you've ever raised children, we were all children at one point, we know that 13, 14, 15 is wrought with emotions and hormones and all that is I remember, you know, being in a small town and being kind of picked on and bullied, not bad as some people. I never want to say that, you know, there's some people, it's a, a very devastating experience, but for me, it, it left an imprint. And I remember thinking if I could just be on the radio, if I could just be one of those DJs on the radio, then people would look at me differently. Um, and I followed through that by 16 years old. I was, uh, I was doing an afternoon show on a local radio station near where I grew up. And it was interesting because that was just what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do it. And even though the getting picked on or bullied by the, the class bullies was that extra kick in the shorts to do it. It was at 16 that I realized the impact a person could have by entertaining, by educating, informing, empowering, inspiring through spoken word. And it's just paved everything for the last 32, 33 years. Oh, well, it's a interesting. Lot. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry to unpack yeah. all that right there. <laughs> That's cool. It's no, no pressure. You know, it's interesting there. You talked about, you know, almost to be seen, you know, it's like, talking or, or that audio and that that actual process is is a is a method of being seen you know which is quite different obviously because it's a listening sense if you like so mm. it's a bit different right yeah absolutely i mean it's a very different it's a different experience i mean you know there's the the tactical things when we're doing audio you can listen to audio and do other things you know you can take a walk it's one of my favorite times of the day is to put on a podcast and take a walk um, you know, I, I try not to listen to, um, you know, really in-depth podcasts when I'm, you know, working or grocery shopping or things like that. Cause I tend to just get lost in a podcast and forget the store or vice versa. Um, but you know, visual is, it requires more, more than one sense. So if you're watching this right now on a, on a video stream or a YouTube channel, then it's, you know, you gotta use your eyes. Yes. You can just listen. And sometimes you need the visual. One of my clients is in the home repair space. You know, he kind of needs to be able to point at certain things, but he can tell his stories and anecdotes that, that drive people to, you know, to, to develop that relationship. And ultimately I think that's where audio's power is, is connection. You know, the intimate experience is that, you know, the people that listen to your podcast on a regular basis have a relationship with you, though they may have never spoken to you. You've not spoken to them. There's a relationship there. There's an eagerness 
for you to drop a new episode so that they can hear a conversation. Um, there's a trust. There's all these words that I think exist in the audio space that really, you know, I'm sure a professional blogger would argue or a professional YouTuber would argue, but I believe that this is my belief. This is my, again, my mission and my passion. But when you hear what is happening right now, that experience is more powerful than the written word or the visual word. Absolutely. And I suppose that actually, and, and as you say, how many times do we sort of hear a, a voice on a radio show or something else and we, and the imagination fires up, right. You know, because mm-hmm. we're, we're limiting some other senses, which actually can be, you know, weakness can become a strength. You know, um, I remember I interviewed a, a person who was partially sighted and fascinating. He was saying, I have far greater senses in other areas than, than most people I meet, but yet he was partially sighted. So it's that, a great, I agree with that. Great example, right? So if you can only hear the voice, then it allows the, the imagination not to get hung up on the, uh, the, the sensory side of it. It can go into its own space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people get, um, especially when, you know, when people talk about podcasts, what I've noticed over the last few years, and, and, and I like to say, again, it doesn't really surprise me just because I saw it so much in the broadcast space and in the, in the radio space and radio shows and talk shows. But, you know, you've got people who now are listening to podcasts. You know, it's not just an entertainment show or a breakfast show. They're listening to a podcast for inspiration. They're listening to a podcast because, you know, somebody their church told them about it or somebody in, the, in their mission or what have you. And, um, and they talk about podcasts like they've discovered something that's life-changing. You know, they've discovered something that is helping them, you know, through their day or get through a time in their life. And, you know, what's so unique about podcasts is that they are unique and that you can find a podcast. If you need a podcast about gardening, there's one out there. If you need a podcast about, you know, relationship coaching, there's, you know, there's plenty out there. And as I've observed people who have come to me wanting to start a podcast, it is often because they had a moment where they found a podcast that changed their, you know, how they look at some aspect of their life, some, some part of their life. And I think that's a different experience than, oh, I found a blog that I enjoy. I mean, I've got plenty of blogs I enjoy, plenty of video channels I enjoy, but again, it's not like a broken record, but I believe that that experience is really powerful. And I think we see it every day with people. I'm sure you see it with your listeners. Yeah, always. I mean, it's, and it, it's interesting because different people have different passions, right? And the different, you know, you know, depending on if you're sensory, you know, listening based or audio based, visually based, whatever it is, you know, so it's, it's very, it's, it's fascinating. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've evolved this into a business and, you know, obviously you, you talk really, um, you know, part of your service there is you talk about, you know, the, the podcast roadmap. So that is an actual, it, it's, is it a doing service to help people actually, you know, go through all the practical steps, the actual launch process right the way through? Yeah, what I tried to do with the roadmap was um, because I, I noticed that there was probably about 50-50, half of the people coming to me, you know, had zero idea. No, like, I don't know anything. I just know I want to start a podcast. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't know where to plug in a microphone. I wouldn't know what the first thing to do. Um, and the other half are coming to me saying, well, I started a podcast and it started off great, but now I need to know what to do next. And what I found is that those two require kind of different coaching. They require, they're, they're nuanced differently. 
Um, so I built this roadmap as a way to go, okay, if you're coming in at, at you know, step one, here's step one. But if you've already launched, you can kind of go down the roadmap a little bit and go, okay, well, what are the, what are the things to do after I launch, if I'm trying to grow an audience or if I'm trying to monetize, look, it's a free offering for everybody. And, um, and it's really designed to be, oh, this is a, this is a way a good podcast, or this is a way, you know, what might be a successful podcast would follow. And, and here's what to do first. Don't get caught up in this first. And, and then when you get down to here, you know, maybe around episode 10, start doing this or episode 20, start doing this, um, go be a guest on somebody else's podcast who you really, really appreciate. And here's how to do all that. And invariably what people will do is they'll look at that. And that just drives more questions, um, which then sends up a strategy call. And, and I'm very much a look if it's meant to be that we work together. Great. If not, here's every free resource, be it my roadmap, be it my podcast. If that gets you where you're going, great. You know, I, I want people to be able to do this thing. And then when people are like, Hey, I'm ready to take that super next level. Well, then let's get into a coaching plan, you know, but I do try to offer a lot of free things to help people that are motivated, um, self-starters, things like that. Don't, don't mind the sound of their own voice, which tends to be a roadblock for many people. Um, but yeah, the roadmap is designed to be wherever you are in this journey, you can kind of find your spot, pick up, and hopefully that gives you a direction going forward. Mm. Uh, and just, I mean, out of interest in, in a totally non-scientific way, I mean, mm. what, what have you found is a, is a common reason for people to actually want the podcast? Is it for them or is it to give a service to others or what, what is it? Uh, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think I've had people come to me strictly. This is my, this is my business strategy. This is what I want to do. Um, and it's going to, it's, it's the main vehicle that I need to get my point across. Um, I've had people come to me, as I said, a moment ago, inspired by other podcasts, um, and wanting to do it. Invariably I work with entrepreneurs. So there's always a business side to it. There's always a, how are you going to incorporate this in your business? I've, I've helped people before that are like, Hey, I want to start a podcast, you know, with my family. And invariably at that point, I'm like, here's, you know, here's my roadmap, do this, do this. You know, you're not trying to do anything other than create legacy, you know, as opposed to somebody who has got to be on from episode one, if you will. Um, but they kind of vary, um, you know, a couple of examples. It's funny. We are recording this uh, on the eve of the biggest golf tournament uh, of the year in, in England. I don't remember where it is this year, if it's in Scotland, but I'm referring to the open, the actual open. And one of my clients is in the world of golf betting. His entire world is how to be an effective, uh, gambler as it relates to the sport of golf. Um, and he's just, he's a research analysis guru, you know, he's just knows numbers and data and players and everything. So for him, it was, how do I take this, you know, guy who's so good on the science of golf and gambling and create a unique and interesting podcast. Um, so that was a unique challenge, but then I've had other people come to me very desiring to serve others. It's only about serving others. And those are the coaches that I work with. Yes, they want to do that to grow clients and all that stuff, but they're doing it because they want, they're absolutely in this to serve others. 
I mean, that's so interesting, isn't it? The fact that, you know, some are niche driven, you know, guru driven, as you say, they're mm. either they're trying to be the best in their field or learn more, do more, have more. Or there's those that want to promote others. So, I mean, for you, which which is, is there a more powerful, you know, to be led by a passion or to be a passion leader, if that makes sense? This makes sense. Um, you know, I've, I have in my own journey, especially around this particular occupation, being an entrepreneur myself, um, thought long and hard about what it means to serve others. Um, because I think in the, in the spectrum of conversation, the dialogue we have as humans, there's something that always seems to come up from the spiritual leaders in the, in, uh, over the history of time is that if we do, if we spend our life helping others, then there's true happiness there. Uh, I don't know that I've figured it out yet. I'm trying, but I don't know that I've figured it out yet. But what I know is that that's probably where happiness truly lives. It doesn't live in a beautiful house. It doesn't live in the fancy cars. The material possessions are, are you know, learned from those who, who have learned, you know, and don't get me wrong. But the public transportation in Oaxaca is perfectly sufficient. Um, but you know the the you know to that point is the serving others is is at least for me what I love to do. That's where I get the most joy. I need to feed my family, but when I see somebody have that breakthrough, that moment where they go, "Gosh, you know that that that." that conversation sounded pretty good or this episode did really well, or I just got interviewed by the lead person in my, in my niche that, you know, those are the moments that's the pure joy that comes in, in, in what I do. Absolutely. Who did that for you, Michael, did you, or did or didn't do that for you? That person that, you know, sort of really sort of made that connection or helped you, you know, do what you do for other people. It's probably, you know, if I look back at the mentors I had uh, at the early stages of my radio career, those people shaped me, um, uh, you know, people who taught me how to just talk on the radio, but then the people who taught me, you know, a couple of gentlemen uh, in particular who helped me understand the work that I do today, which is how to create a comfortable environment for coaching people who want to talk into a microphone. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that for many, many years, for the majority of my professional career, that was radio people and talk show hosts. And Pete, I'll tell you, they're very interesting people. The radio people, the big personalities, those types of people, specifically radio, not television, are very interesting dynamic, creative, oftentimes incredibly insecure people. So working with those people required a very specific, uh, as I like to put bedside manner. Um, so when I think about the people that helped me were the people that had that bedside manner with me to then for me to absorb and learn and then give to others. That's super interesting. I mean, to have, you know, it, is it as binary as that? You know, people sort of tend to go down the radio, the broadcasting side, or TV. Is it is it kind of one or other, or do people 
tend to cross. Well, I, there's there, you know, if we, if we rewind the tape, you know, 20 years or so before the internet and things like what we're doing were as popular and pervasive as they are today. Yeah, it was, but, and oftentimes it was, it had, it was a very, um, surface level, you know, this person over here, you know, they had the, the face for television and they were, you know, good looking people. They were very, um, you know, they were the people you might see on your news or your weather or your, 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 your shows like that, your, your entertainment shows. So they had a physical quality about them that might be attractive, but they had a nice personality. Whereas oftentimes the people that were in the radio side was a hundred percent personality. It was all personality. The old phrase, they have a face for radio was kind of true. Oftentimes you'd meet radio people and they weren't the most attractive people in the world, but boy, their personality was so, so big. You know, and that came through, came through with the talk shows. It came through with, you know, the, the breakfast shows, the entertainment shows, um, you know, for the longest time in the States, we had the whole era of the, the shock radio, the Howard Stearns and people like that. And some of those guys are, some of those guys are incredibly offensive and they're not good people. But one thing they all have in common is they're just these huge personalities, huge dynamic personalities. And they still to this day are very successful doing very large talk shows. I, you know, some of the people that I work with to this day have these amazing personalities and can monologue with such incredible talent, you know, and it's, it's, it's a true pleasure to work with them. And then it's interesting going to the people who had never anyone's one desire ever to be on the radio are now able to do it with a podcast. And now I start to see people and I work with people who have that, that, that little bit of fire in their belly. Like, oh, I thought it would have been really cool to be on the radio, but didn't think that was for me. And now I can do it with a podcast kind of thing. No, it's, it's a very cool um, time that we live in, right? It gives you an opportunity yeah. to do things that previously it was reserved for people who had X amount of experience or breakthroughs or whatever, right? So we're, yeah. wow, what a time to live. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the big thing. Um, uh, I would often refer to when I would speak to my friends in radio over, especially the last like five years or so is that when you, and you just said it, there was always a person inside a radio station. It's a job that I carried for about 20 years. I was the gatekeeper and I only let on the right people. And there was only, you know, a handful of slots per day, you know, and Five days out of the week, it was the same person, same person in the morning, same person in the afternoons, get a few weekend people. You're not, not a lot of people. So for the thousands of audition tapes that would come in, you're only selecting, you know, less than a dozen over the course of a few years. Whereas now all of those thousands have a medium that they can go and do anytime they want to any audience they want on any subject that they want. So the role of the gatekeeper has, um, has been diminished greatly because of technology. Is that a good thing? I think it is. I do. I, I honestly do. Um, and what I think it really sort of magnifies is um, broadcast media, specifically radio, because that's what we're, we are talking about audio, um, has its place oftentimes to entertain. You know, and, and what I, I like to think is the, sort of the, the, the buckets, if you will, of emotional triggers. So you've got, you know, half a dozen buckets and the entertainment bucket, uh, 
these guys on the radio, these women on the radio are so good at, they're so compelling. They speak to a broad audience. They talk about the, the, the new, the current events, the topical events, they have their own twist on it. They think long and hard about it. They're great at what they do, but all those other buckets, inspiration, empowerment, education now can live in a space that exists open to everybody. You know, if I, you know, if I'm a history teacher, some of my favorite podcasts are these amazing, you know, conversations around history that we were not taught in our public school system or our school system growing up. But because now, you know, somebody who was a history nut their whole life and read every single book about, you know, some time in history, that person can do a podcast. And then the history nuts go, oh my gosh, that's such a great podcast. You know, well, that history nut never would have had a chance and it never would have worked on traditional radio. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing that we are able to use this medium to tell amazing stories, to educate, inspire, empower, and entertain when necessary. And for the broadcast guys, may they entertain and be topical and have fun and continue to do all the things that they do. But we all have a chance to do that now. Hmm. I suppose, I mean, is, is there a natural attrition with people? I suppose the, the guys that are good, you know, do they naturally rise and continue on and those that maybe it's, it wasn't the right topic or whatever, just naturally fall by the wayside. Is there a natural selection process? Do you think? I, yeah, I think some of the natural selection exists with podcasts with people's own, um, long-term vision probably a good way to put it. Somebody does it, does 20 episodes. I mean, the big thing I see with podcasts is that people jump in so quick. Like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be the greatest thing ever. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna do it right now. And they go to their store or they order their microphones or their equipment, or they do it on their phone, which I don't recommend, but and they get a, on average about six episodes in and they run out of ideas. Like, well, I don't know what to talk about next. And then they just stop. The statistic I like to share with people is 45% of all podcasts, uh, on the big platforms, Spotify, Apple, specifically Apple, um, have not been updated in over a year. Now, some of those are very unique, 10 episode story, et cetera. But most of those are people who thought they had a great idea, got started and fizzled out after half a dozen episodes. Um, I, I bring that up both with you, but I bring it up with every client, which is why I'm like, you've got to set a plan. You've got to have a, you've got to have your own roadmap. You've got to have your own podcast roadmap so that you know the power of episode 10 and then growing to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. Um, cause I think the attrition really exists in people kind of losing faith and, you know, maybe this wasn't the right thing for me or their own insecurities come in. But, you know, I often feel like if you've started, whether your audience is 50 people or 50,000 people, you know, you can, you can impact However large your audience is, you can impact the people that you need to impact um, in a very measurable way, regardless of size. That's so interesting. And, and do you think, I mean, your own values, you were saying it's about connecting and servicing other people. Is that the same thing that should go forward for a lot of podcasts? It should be of service first and volume and attention second? I mean... I prefer to work with people like that. If I'm being honest, um, I just, the, the, the service of others, it's the opportunity is there. Um, 
You know, that's a tough question to answer because I think there's, there's uniqueness in every podcast. Um, but like I said, a moment ago, a lot of the people, because I work so much with entrepreneurs that oftentimes what I like to try to go is, okay, well, why are you is, podcast aside? Why are you doing what you're doing? I mean, are you doing this to make a quick buck? You know, entrepreneurship is hard. You know, this is like, you work really, really hard for a long time and make very little money. So you better be doing something that you really, really enjoy because that's going to be a terrible way to live if you don't really enjoy it. So, you know, from the business owner, from the entrepreneurship, you know, oftentimes, and I think for the most part, you find that people who have started their own business or gone down this path, do it because they have, they feel a calling. They do it because they feel like this is my gift to the world. And as an entrepreneur, you don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to start a blog. You don't have to do anything. You know, if you can serve your clients or your, you know, and then you do have the entrepreneurs in, in that space, both in podcast and just in that space that do rise, they get a big following. I mean, we live in an age of social media where you can gain thousands and thousands of followers on your Instagram. And before you know it, you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a hundred thousand people following me. Well, now, as they said in Batman with great power comes great responsibility. If you have an audience of a hundred thousand people, imagine the impact you can have. So, you know, it's an interesting question to go, well, what should you do first? And I just think what you should do first is be, be honest with, you know, why you do what you do. What is your passion? The number one stop, the very first thing on my podcast roadmap is what do you want to talk about? Not what do you think you should talk about, but what do you want to talk about? And finding a way to make sure that what you want to talk about is in alignment with maybe your business. Cause again, I deal with business people in alignment with your business, but making sure that it's really truthfully in alignment with you. Cause when you do that, the service of others is almost a, a given. That's, I mean, that, that's a really interesting thing. You talked about alignment there, you know, and, and how it's, you know, should align, I mean, should it be aligned with your values, your goals, your vision? Should they be one and the same? I mean, I think so. I think it's a, you know, like, I think, as I mentioned a little while ago, this, the, the concept and idea of service of others is something that I think a lot about. And I think that there's something that, you know, what does that mean for every individual? You know, I, I put so much stock in what does that mean as an entrepreneur, but maybe the service of others is taking care of my family, you know, and taking care of those close to me. Um, but the alignment when I just think from a human experience, like let's let push all this podcast stuff aside and entrepreneurship aside is I go back to the fact that I do believe that when you, when you break it down, you know, all of us are here to, we all have a gift and some people make that a very religious or spiritual thing. I don't know what it is. I just think that you know, one of the, one of the sadder moments I see, especially in states in the, in the Western economy is so many people are working so hard at some job they don't care about because they've got to pay a mortgage or they got to feed their family. And it's like, they just go into this worker bee syndrome. And I look at those people and I go, well, you know, though you have a job that you go to that you hate, that's making you barely enough money to survive. And all these, what we see is sort of a typical, um, 
very common life, at least we see it in the States, of the hardworking, not ever going to get ahead, not ever going to get promoted, barely scraping by to survive. Like that person, when you pull all of that crap back, has a mission. It's just that that mission has been suppressed by culture, society, you know, whatever, you know, and that's not everybody's case, but I do see that a lot. And I feel like when you start to, when you start to, to get back to your question, if you take a person like that and you start to peel all that stuff back and go, well, you know, do you really want to work at this job? Is that really, you know, what really satisfies you? Oftentimes you'll talk to somebody who's working in an office and they really wanted to be an artist or something like that. And that when you tap into that, things align. It's like, oh, well, I've always wanted to be a blank. And then when they start to maybe put some energy towards that mission or whatever, maybe it's their side hustle or whatnot, or the hobby, if you will, um, things start to naturally align. And then the service of others I actually think becomes somewhat automatic because um, they do have a pretty, pretty unique, I want to say it's unique, but I do have a belief around, um, how would I even put this? I'm, I'm taking our conversation in a whole direction, Pete. I, I just got rid of the podcast stuff and now we're getting into the uh, service of others and alignment and how other people need that. So I'll explain that, um, but I'm going to take a sip of water first. Whilst you're taking a sip of water, I have a probably a starting question for that. And in terms of where you're at today, I mean, do you like yourself and do you love yourself? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. It's, it's been a, it's been a journey of, um, you know, I think you kind of got to start there, right? Kind of got to start with like, you know, you got to have a good relationship with yourself so that you can have a good relationship with other people. Um, you know, it's so interesting observing people when they say, oh, you know, the ego kicks in and it's like, oh, well, if you say you love yourself then you're arrogant or egomaniacal or something like that, and that's not the case at all. I just think you have to have a healthy relationship with yourself. Um, whether you say, okay, well, I love myself or I like myself or whatever. I think I actually prefer to say I like myself. I choose to be in my own company many, many times, you know, in a very meditative space. It's like, okay, well, let's just hang out for a little while. I choose, I like, I like time alone, things like that. So yeah, I, um, and I try to, um, be that example in the presence of my family so that my son and my daughter and my wife may also have that, that that inside of them to love themselves, to like themselves. I mean, has that always been the case for you? Has this been a process that you've really unwrapped over the years? I think it's a process I've unwrapped over the years. I think, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I think the process of, I think that's the human experience. I really do. It's, can we get more comfortable with ourselves? Can we, can we learn to love ourselves? Uh, can we learn to love other people? Uh, can we overcome fear? can we develop a healthy relationship with fear? Cause it never goes away, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, it's, and, and I still, it's, it's not a, it's a, it's a work in progress and will be forever. You know, it's just, I, I really believe that like, that's part of the human experience is this dynamic of understanding ourselves, our relationship with other people, why we're here, you know, all the big questions. Mm. So how, how would you describe then, Michael? What's, who is Michael? 
Uh, that's a great question. You're asking good questions. You're asking good questions. You said this would be a good conversation. You are not letting down. Um, <laughs> you. you know, um, it, it's, it's truly, it's, as I said a moment ago, it's a work in progress. It really is. And, and what I mean by that is asking the questions of if happiness really exists in the service of others, what does that really mean? Does that mean I need to go join a monastery or does that mean I take care of my family? I mean, does that mean I change my business? You know, what, what does that really, really mean? Um, I think there's happiness there. Um, you know, the point I was going to make a moment ago is around, um, for me, it's been a relationship with fear. You know, what is this fear that blocks us? Sometimes it's a, a blocking around our relationships or around our career paths or, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, smart enough to charge this for my service or whatever those, you know, monkey mind, imposter syndrome things that come in. And the thing that I've learned about fear, and I, and I, I found this to be extraordinarily profound when I, when I heard this for the first time, and I absolutely believe it. I absolutely 100% believe it is that if you have this thing inside of you, this thing that is bubbling up your mission, your calling, your alignment, whatever you want to call it, your values, you got this thing and you're like, oh, I want to go, I want to go start a podcast to tell people about it or an Instagram page or a social channel or blog or whatever those things, this thing that I want to get out into the world as my way of, of, you know, serving others for lack of any other way to put it, but all too often it stops, it stops right here. It never gets past. It never goes onto a microphone or a social page or whatever, because we're scared. We're scared of what other people are going to think. We're scared of what other people might say or of losing family or friends or whatever. And my feeling around that, because I encounter this so often with people with podcasts, it's like, oh, I don't know if I should say that, or maybe that's not right. Cause I do try to encourage people to be vulnerable is that if you feel it, if you feel that thing inside that you want to say, and what that really means is that there's a whole lot of people out there who are looking for you, that there's a whole lot of people out there who need to hear the exact thing that you have to say. And by not saying it, yes, you're succumbing to fear and all those things, but by not saying it, you're doing a disservice to the people who need to hear it and who are walking this planet looking for their path, for their alignment. And lo and behold, you have the answer to their question. So you've got to get out there and say it. You've got to be the one to do it. Because whether, and that's why I said a minute ago, whether your audience is 50 people or 50,000 or 500,000 or 5 million, if you know, if you can feel it inside to say it, then there's somebody out there who needs to hear it. No, it's a very, very powerful way of looking at it. As you say, it's, we're all on a journey, right? And it might be that somebody's on the same step as you or a couple of steps either side and, and you can be of service to all of them, right? So to, tell me this. I mean, are you would you describe yourself generally as, as pain-driven or pleasure-driven? Where, where do you sit? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Um, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, pain and pleasure have such a unique bring up such interesting um, images around what does that really mean? You know, for me, it's just, it's a desire to live a content and happy life. 
And, you know, we, we, we spoke, um, the very, very beginning, um, Oddly enough, I have a bit of a fire in my belly, as I was telling you at the very beginning, that as we start this, I'm beginning a 21-day cleanse. Um, and part of that is just one, there's some health benefits to it, et cetera. Um, but as I observe people who are you know, 85, 90 years old, who are happy, there's certain things they do. And one of the things they do is they have a better diet. You know, They, they tend to eat better or take care of themselves, or they tend to you know, come together in community more and things like that. So as I look at that part of my life, I'm like, I don't want to be that, you know, so pain or pleasure, you know, decisions dictated by the avoidance of pain or decisions dictated by the consumption of pleasure. I think it's just a very, I want to be happy now and I want to be happy in 40 years or 50 years or whatever that looks like. And happiness tends to be a very, you know, what is happiness? What is contentment? You know, happiness can oftentimes just be contentment to be at peace with oneself. Yeah. I just think in Western cultures, we seek happiness. As you ask the question about pleasure and pain, we seek pleasure and external things to avoid the pain that oftentimes comes from external. And I just think that's, that's not the answer. The answer exists internally, you know, mm. happiness, contentment at peace, things like that. And that's a, I do, I said this earlier, and there's just so many facets of this is that the human experience is a really, really fascinating journey. Um, but somewhere at the core of it is contentment, service of others, helping people, you know, being healthy, you know, don't, don't overindulge in the sugars or the, the alcohols or whatever, you know, lessons that we learn myself included our entire life. Hmm. That's super interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, I suppose I was reflecting back to what you were saying previously about, you know, being vulnerable on the show, being, you know, being motivated to get past episode six to, mm -hmm. you know, to share, to be of service. So it's, yeah, it's always an interesting one, you know, being pleasure, pleasure, pain driven. I mean, you can be, you know, driven by, by the pain of the past or excited by the opportunity of the future, but possibly it's the contrast, right? I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting because you, you just said something really fascinating there is um, um, I also think one of the answer lies in the present. The more you can just be in a moment um, and it's, it's physically impossible. You know, the greatest spiritual teachers of the world will tell you, you must be present. You've got to be present. You got to be present, but we all struggle with, you just said it. Oh man, that thing happened to me in the past and I can't let that happen again. Or I've got this regret or whatever. Or for me, it was never about the past. It was always about well, what's going to look like in the future. You know, will I have enough to support my family? Will I have enough, you know, money to be able to do this or, you know, raise my kids or whatever that, that thing, it was always this sort of worry in the future. And then I had an epiphany a couple of years ago when I sort of looked back and went, we're doing okay. You know, we're doing okay. We're, we, we, if I were to go back 10 years and say, well, what is this life we're trying to design on how we're going to raise our children when we took them out of school? And I look back for all the worry that I had 10 years ago about, there's no way that's ever going to work. And I'm never going to have the money to do that. And we'll never be able to do that. Is that it all worked out like really well. Now, does that mean that the definition of working out really well was, you know, some, you know, big material thing. No, it was quite the contrary. 
It was reducing things so that we came together as a family more. And we traveled and we, you know, our whole, our, our story is that we, as I said at the very beginning, we world schooled our kids. So we went to, you know, not all over the world, but a few select countries and spent time with that. But instead of it, like, oh, we got, how we're going to afford that. It was like opportunities presented themselves. Hey, go visit this. You know, this friend has got a place in Italy. You can go there, you know, Mexico and go there. That sort of thing is that by being present, not hyping, you know, not hyper-focusing on what happened in the past or worried about events that you have no control over in the future. I mean, who saw 2020 coming? I didn't, you know, but here we are in the present and it's okay. You know, that's again, happiness is contentment. It's having a, a moment of joy in the present moment, enjoying a good chat, enjoying a good conversation or a cup of tea, the simple mm. things. And again, I want to say part of the human experience is that that is really awesome to say out loud on a podcast and a challenge to practice every day. And part of that is if we know the exam, if we know the answer lies in staying present, serving others, awesome. It's the practice of it every day. That is the challenge. That's why I say, I can say all this stuff to you in a good conversation, but then when we hang up in a little bit, I got to go out there in the world and stay present and eat healthy and get through this cleanse. <laughs> Tell me, are you, are you clear in your mission or your purpose in life? Is that, is, is I mean, we've talked a lot about service here. Is that right. being present, being in, you know, living in awareness and service? Is that your mission or what do you tell me? You know, that, again, that's a good question. I, I mean, I have a, I have a job, uh, I have a role, an occupation as an entrepreneur where I help people talk into a microphone on the surface. I mean, you know, I, I see, I see on the surface, you know, uh, the others in the world who have gone out and maybe served their country or the mother Teresa's or the, the Dalai Lama's, these people that, you know, gave their life to serve. And that's where I'm like, that's where I get a little like, Oh wait, that's what service of others is. It's mother Teresa, but that's not real for most human beings. So I think the mission for me has really been, I, I, the fire in my belly when I was 10 years old was to do what I'm doing right now with you. And then I was talking to a microphone, carry a conversation, um, you know, arguably, uh, I feel like I should ask you questions because I'm a podcaster, because I feel like I'm being way too verbose in this conversation, but, you know, grateful to be a guest on your show, but at the same time, this is what I do. So as I start to unpack that a little bit, that's where I start to see, well, wait a minute, I am, I can have an impact on people's lives through the one thing that I know how to do maybe better than anything else. And that is coaching people on how to be effective communicators uh, through an audio medium. Um, and I enjoy it. I really friggin' enjoy it. I love it. Absolutely love it. You know, but what I really love is the time I get to spend with my wife, my children, and the time that we have together. My family is what is so important to me. So if I think about what am I trying to do on this, on this planet? Well, I clearly am. I've been thinking about talking into a microphone and entertaining and informing and educating for my entire life as long as I can remember. And it that fire in my belly never went out ever still to this day. Love it. But what I really love is the time I have with my family. 
No, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful place to be that actually to be able to, one, have that. And have you have you set out a set of goals for yourself in terms of where you want to go? Is it is it the daily interaction, just being in the now, just being present? Or is there, you know, certain people you want to interview or certain numbers you want to hit? Do you have I mean, goals? I, think, I do. I mean, I think I have, I have, you know, the entrepreneur in me has goals, quarterly goals. I try to, I realize the power of goal setting and I try to hit those goals and I try to set goals that are way too big. Because if I don't hit them, I'm still getting close. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a lot of that. Um, you know, one area where I've, I've kind of changed over the last couple of years is um, uh, I left the corporate radio world uh, about seven years ago and took a sabbatical. It was amazing. I always recommend if you have an opportunity to take a sabbatical in your life, do it. Um, and I came back as an entrepreneur because I felt like this idea was if I work as hard for me as I did for that company, I'm going to be fine. And what I learned quickly was I'm going to have to work 10 times harder and I'm going to make a lot less money. So what does life look like when you do that? Well, you go through savings really, really quick, but then what you do is you go, okay, well, I'm going to learn. And what I've found interesting is that over the last few years, I've learned so much things that I never knew specifically around things like digital marketing and entrepreneurship, et cetera. But I used to have a feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to work for a big corporation or any of those types of things again. And I've kind of changed, you know, cause I've had a couple of roles, but like good opportunity comes along to, to, you know, go back and work with dynamic personalities in a, in a talk show world or a radio world, podcasting, never going away ever. As a matter of fact, it's only going to get bigger. So helping people with their podcasts will never go away. But if the right opportunity presents itself, Absolutely. I would do that as long as I can be who I want to be with my family. That's, that's the line in the sand. If I have a goal, it's that, you know, instead of it, like I used to have a very negative, like, Oh, I'm never going to go work in those corporate places again. I'm going to be a solo entrepreneur and it's going to be amazing. No, I think that was a little bit of, you know, past baggage from a, you know, a previous boss who we talked about moments earlier. Um, but you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that this is really about intention and designing of life. So it's not really about, well, I've got to be an entrepreneur. I've got to be successful in this space, or I've got to do this, or I've got to go work for a big company. No, I just want to be, my success is, is, is largely, can I live wherever I want? COVID taught us that most of us can, and can I do the work that I enjoy? And when I'm done doing that work, can I go be with my family? If we can check all those boxes, then we're great. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the last few years is that the work that we enjoy looks different at different times in our life. And, you know, I'm a terrible chef, but, or I'm sorry, I'm not even scratch that. I'm not a chef. I'm a terrible person in a kitchen, but this idea that maybe someday, 10, 15 years from now, you know, uh, having a B and B and cooking breakfast for guests or something like that could be a lot of fun. And that's nowhere on my radar today, but we do different things in different seasons of our life, as far as our goals and our work and our things like that. And it's, it's ridiculous to ever say anything like, well, I'm never going to do that. Or I'm only ever going to do this. No, I think you, I think we, I think we change, we evolve and we, as long as we're open to new ideas, back to part of the human experience that's hopefully leading a 
happy and healthy life. You know, it's just, as you speak, I get this, this sense that it's been a real gear change for you, you know, cause I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of searching. There's a lot of what comes across, I suppose, is that sort of, you know, self-discovery awareness of self, you know, and, and feelings and also love and connection of those around you. Is that, mm-hmm. is that fair? I mean, is that something that's been evolving and, and really sort of come to light this sort of gear change in, in more recent times for you? Yeah. In the last, um, uh, seven to 10 years. So, um, working in the radio industry for so many years, it was such a high profile position and it was such a, there was a, you know, Oh my gosh, you work at the radio station. So you can get me the good concert tickets or whatever it is. It was a sort of an elevated position in that an elevated popularity or notoriety or whatever it might be. So for many people in radio, that is an all consuming, uh, occupation. And about 10 years ago, um, it just, it was great. Love it. So much fun. But these two little human beings that are running around my house, um, that's where, you know, that's, that's more, there's more there. So, so this journey over the last probably 10 years is just, you know, I'm just getting older. You just get more mature is that it became less about the job. It became less about, you know, this desire, this, oh, I've got to reach this next level on a corporate ladder or whatever those things. And it doesn't mean I'm not driven. It doesn't mean I don't love what I do. It just, um, I was watching my kids grow up and, and very telltale story, watching my children grow up without me. They were in school. My wife was working. I was working. And we just made a very intentional shift led by my wife. Very proud of her for stepping up and leading us all to take our kids out of school and to homeschool them and uh, a version of homeschooling called unschooling and world schooling where we just said, you know what, we're going to figure this out. We're just going to kind of remove ourselves from the sit. We removed our kids from the system. And what we noticed was the unraveling of our lives. So he's like, all right, we're going to take the kids out of this, this, uh, indoctrinated system of you're in this grade, you're learning this with every other child, your age, and we just kind of figure it out. Let's see what happens. And it's a little scary because we're like, what if it doesn't work? And all these, all these normal emotions. Um, but we figured it out. That was 10 years ago. It was, well, no, it was 11, 11 or 10 years ago. And I just think that that's where that journey really started to kick in. We both were feeling something. We made a huge shift. We decided to take on the, the challenge of, of, you know, educating our children, whatever that might look like for us, be it different from every other family in the world. Um, took a lot of time to think about it. I feel really, really bad for the families during COVID who had one week to prepare for homeschooling. You know, we took a couple of years to really sort of think about what we wanted, but in doing that move to spend more time, um, you know, it wasn't, it, it didn't happen right away, but shortly after about two, two years, two and a half, three years after my kids were pulled out, um, we wanted to travel more. My work was like, you have two weeks off a year. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't going to work. I want to take my kids to Italy for a month. I want to go see other countries. Let's go see what a broad, you know, nothing broadens the mind, like a well-stamped passport. So let's go see what that looks like for raising children. Um, and I just couldn't do both. So I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not going to do that job anymore. And it was just, that's the shift. It went from 
my entire life and my entire existence is this all encompassing world of concerts and radio personalities and so much fun and so much energy and so much excitement. And I mean, it's, it's not, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun. And it was so easy to just go, no, I'm going to Italy with these three. I'll see you later kind of thing. And I just never looked back. And that's where I come back to now. It's like, okay, sure. Right. Opportunity comes along for no matter what, let's go learn some stuff. Let's go have some fun, but it's a perspective, not about work is the only thing. It's a perspective around the, the true bond of love that exists in the, the family of four that, um, that, that are the Sharky clan, them Sharkies as, as our friends like to call us. That's an amazing reflection, I suppose. And, you know, I know it's all sort of in hindsight as such, you know, but do you think at the time, were you doing it as much for you as the kids or was it mainly for the kids or both? Oh, I think it was both. Yeah. I, I will tell you right now it was for both. I mean, it, this was, you know, it didn't, um, it took me about four years total to get the courage to finally step out of the comfort of a big corporate job. Um, cause I was scared. I was like, Oh my God, how are we going to pay for this? And how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do this? And all these, all these sort of normal questions. Um, but the one thing is, as I said, well, it's, it wasn't about paying for more stuff. It was about getting rid of stuff. So you don't have to pay for it. That was sort of the answer and all that. And the simplicity of living simpler and, and decluttering. Um, but one of the things that I, I an interesting to bring it all the way back to what we started at the beginning is in the beginning of 2014, um, what I wanted to do was I personally, I wanted to take an extended period of time off. I was fascinated, especially people in the UK. People in the UK take sabbaticals all the time. It was like 30% of people in the UK. And I was like going to my boss. I was like, sabbaticals are a thing. He's like, no, they're not. Get back to work. <laughs> and um, I was like, no, there's something there. And, um, and what I wanted was I wanted to take an extended period of time off. I wanted to take a year off because one, I knew it would be an amazing experience with my family. I just knew it would. And don't get me wrong. It had its ups and downs. It wasn't all like, you know, pleasure cruises and that sort of thing. It was all, it, there were ups and downs. Um, but what I knew is that my perspective would change if I removed myself from that day-to-day -day that I had done for so long. And that perspective would exist around things like family, but it would also exist around things around work. And when I re-entered the atmosphere, as I like to say, um, and came back into the world of work, it was very clear to me that podcasts were going to be huge. And as I went to my radio professionals and said, you need to start doing podcasts right now. They laughed me out of their office. There's no way podcasts are just this thing that people do in their basement. It's not going to be a thing. Now, lo and behold, six years later, I got that one right. You know, so it's, it was that ability to sort of get clear and step back from everything to get a different perspective, both not on, you know, again, that's why I say, when you're asking me, was it just for the kids or for me? It was for both. I had an amazing experience with my family, but I also gained a very, very clear perspective on what, what I believed the work would be for me in the future, getting down to the root of what we've talked about, coaching people to, to tell their story and be vulnerable. Um, that I just saw podcasts where we're going to be a tidal wave 
and they have been and continue to be and will be for probably ever. It's so fascinating there. And I'm just thinking, you know, really for you, you know, you you're taking the kids out of school and, and homeschooling. So that's a, that's a big change, right? That's a controlled thing, um, you know, and, and designing your life. Then the same for the job, right? You know, you are self-employed, becoming an entrepreneur, you know, and taking control and, and bringing it back to your life. It's There seems to be almost a, a, a massive shift at that time just to seek that control, seek that uh, connection, if you like, seek that, you know, does, does that make sense of where you're at at that time? Yeah. Well, it was giving up. It, some of it was just the giving up of control. It was, it was, uh, it was giving up security. It was giving up what we know of or what we think of as traditional security, the, the steady paycheck, things like that. And I joke with people like to this day, I'm like, it's like, when they say, Oh, I hate my job. And I'm like, well, one, ask yourself why you hate your job. And number two, it's nice when you get paid every two weeks. Cause I know what it feels like to not get paid every two weeks. I was like, so don't, you know, at least, you know, find your path and find your mission. Um, but in the meantime, appreciate the fact that, you know, you're getting paid, you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big leap. It was a leap of faith. It was absolutely a leap of faith. And, and I don't think that it was like, oh my God, it was a leap of faith and it could have gone terribly wrong and it didn't. No, it went exactly like it was supposed to go. Like there was no right or wrong. And I think another lesson in this um, unraveling of our lives was not being so locked into an outcome. Whereas I think, you know, especially when you're, um, to use that word again, indoctrinated into a corporate culture and it's like, you must you must come to work at this time and you must do this, but we're going to dangle these carrots out there. So if you work really hard for the next two to three years, you'll get this bonus and then they dangle another carrot and you work really hard. You get this bonus that I was like, no, that's just, I don't really want to do that anymore, but I don't necessarily, if I know that the outcome is three years from now, I'm going to get this bonus and then another three or whatever it might be. Well, that's a predictable, theoretically predictable outcome because I could always get fired. There could be a global pandemic. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but not being so locked into the outcome must be A, B, and C. It's, well, let's go into this and let's try to stay present, stay in the now and not figure out the how, and let's see if we can get to where we want to go. And, and that served, it served me really well. I think the family was having a good time regardless, but it served me really well to try to stay present in those moments with family, especially during the sabbatical, but even to, to, even to today where I do believe the answer lies in just staying present. Went to have juice with my daughter yesterday in a little organic market here in Oaxaca and, you know, just enjoyed a half hour of just simple conversation, getting a couple of clean juices or, you know, or planning a trip with my wife or whatever that is, just being present in those moments. I think is there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about that. Mm. And you know, as you speak there, there's so much power. It's like, you know, saying it might not be okay. And right. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Know, it might not work out. There may be a pandemic. I might get bitten by a spider and that's okay. Right. So it's, okay. Just, it's just accepting that, you're willing to roll with it and, and see right. what happens as opposed to, nah, I'm going to 
sit here and just protect myself from anything that might happen. Yeah. And I think that's the shit. When you talk about the shift, that's it. Is that that fear, you know, and that's been, that's been my journey. It's been a challenge to have that relationship with fear. I don't think you, I don't think any of us are ever going to overcome fear. I don't think that's a real destination. I think the real destination is what is your relationship with fear? And for me, it was, I had to step, I had to take a leap of faith. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like I said, that'll never work. It's never going to be okay. Or whatever. No, it's more than okay. Great. I just didn't know what it was going to look like. And it's ever unfolding. You know, that's the beauty of it. I'm not going to the, you know, the story's not over yet. So it's going to continue to unfold. You know, I'm not even 50 years old yet. So I've got a few more years to roll around on this planet. And let's just see how this story unfolds and be okay with whatever the outcome is. Not going to live so willy nilly that we're like, well, you know, it's, you know, I mean, there's some, you know, goals and, you know, things that we do, um, and maybe some preparation for as we get older, but let's just try to roll and enjoy life and accept the outcome for whatever it might be, especially when we've seen the world just flip on its head over the last 12 to 18 months. And we'll continue to, I think we're seeing the world unravel to a certain degree right now where people are having this dialogue. What is going on? Why am I, why do I want to go back to a job that I hate? Why would, why am I going to make $12 an hour? You know, why are my freedoms getting taken away? What is happening right now? Like, I think a lot of people are going, what the heck is happening right now? And I think that's part of a, a you know, maybe a larger collective shift that's, that we're witnessing in real time, which to me, I just find it fascinating. It's like a, it's like a, a global pattern break, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we have to stop you from doing this because of whatever. Um, and then everyone goes, uh, what do I do now? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like everybody, you know, here in the States, um, well in the States, I should say, you know, we've seen, and I, I don't know if it's the same in, in the UK, but we've seen, um, you know, people are moving like crazy, you know, they're moving out of the big cities into the small towns and moving from the North to the South of the South. I mean, that's people are just, it's like they're scattered everywhere right now. And it's fascinating to watch. And they're, they're landing in different places. I think again, I've worked remote for seven years. I love it. I've been doing Zoom calls before Zoom was a thing, you know, because I, I would work with software engineers and they were like, yeah, there's this thing called Zoom. I'm like, Zoom, what is Zoom? You know, and then in the last year, everybody was like, oh, Zoom, I can do that. So we've been working in our pajamas, you know, and, and I just think people, I think what's so great about that, especially when it comes to work is people are like, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to go into an office and look, the company's still doing okay. We're still doing okay. So when I think back to the, you know, my corporate days when I was like, no, you must be in by eight thirty, or you must, you can't leave till six, or all those rules that, no, you, you, you were fine. You can the business goes on, life goes on, but I love that people are questioning things now. Going, what do we do now? I don't know. Do you want to go back to work? Not really. I didn't like that job. <laughs> hey, just to come back on something you said. I mean, you, you talked about you know ego. Mm. How much do you think ego had to play in this, this journey for you? Oh, I think it was understanding the power of it. Um, it was understanding that. Um, um, so the, the, the book that I always point to for me, that was the shifting book in this journey was I read uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. And in the very beginning of that book, he, he talks about how he was in his own deep despair and all that. 
And it was when he said to himself, I cannot live with myself, which is what he said. And it was something to that effect, but he said, I cannot live with myself. And it was his epiphany that there's two things going on here. There's an I and there's a self. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's, that's so true. Like there's all this ego of fear and, and insecurity and, you know, questioning and questioning outcomes and all that stuff. And then there's another part of me that is blissful. <laughs> there's another part of this experience that is accepting, that is compassionate, that is empathetic, that is in service of others. And I was like, oh, okay, well, well, here's the role that the ego plays. And, and I started reading, and you probably talked to people about this in your time, but it's like, you know, we have this 10,000 year old brain that is still scared of the saber toothed tiger. And it's like, we must live in fear of a tiger. Well, now the tiger is just different. The tiger is our own insecurities. Um, but to your point, I came to understand that there's a couple of different things going on. There's the ego that is driving, you know, oftentimes fear for me or some level of insecurity or some level of uncertainty or whatever that might look like. And then there's that piece of me that when I am present in the space of contentment, it's just, it's like, everything's okay. Doesn't matter what, you know? So what is the balance? You know, what is the balance? Cause we, you know, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of times in life to be fearful there. You know, if you're, you know, if, if should I encounter a very large tiger? I want to be fearful. I don't want to be in Zen in that moment. I want to get the heck out of that situation as fast as possible, you know, but I think the truth of the matter is, is that we've evolved as people and we're not running away from dinosaurs or saber tooth tigers anymore. Uh, now we're just running away from our own insecurities. And what does that look like? So my journey has been a lot of understanding the, the ego and the self and how they, how they play a role with one another because, mm. you know, you know, they're just, you're not, you know, and again, I'm, my business is called your podcast coach. So coaching is a big part of what I do. I've taken coaching classes and part of taking coaching classes is you kind of got to dismantle your own crap to see your own stuff so that you can then be a service to others as you coach them. Um, so I've kind of done some work in the last 10 years on that and seen what a lot of my crap is and ain't pretty. But, you know, we all got crap. We all got stuff we're dealing with. But can we develop a healthy relationship with our ego or with our crap so that we can make, you know, the best choices for our, our, our happiness moving forward? That's been a big part of things that I've learned over the last 10 to 12 years. Mm. And, and where would you say you are in terms of uh, being yourself and being your true self. Is is there a gap? Have you closed that gap? Do you think? Uh, I think I've closed the gap. If I think about where I was 10, 12 years ago, I've closed the gap and I closed the gap in a huge way seven years ago when I decided to take that leap of faith, you know, then it was like, Oh, well, I guess I have to got to figure this out now kind of thing. I'm, you know, can't go running back to this job and had to sort of deprogram that and then, you know, go through that. But yeah, but I think it's a life's journey. I really do. I mean, I, I don't think we're ever, I think, you know, we have to continue to figure this out. I think we have to continue to figure this out as humans. You know, like I said, we're going through a collective shift right now and everybody is like, well, I want to go back to the way things were. I don't want to go back to the way things were. I, I don't think we treated each other great. I don't think we were good to each other. 
Like, can we get, a, you know, can we be better with each other? Um, and, and I think we are, I think we're getting there. I mean, there's a lot of unrest happening in the world, but you know, everything I've ever read in my life is that if you, you know, you got to go through some bad to get to some good. And maybe we're going through some, some crap right now. We we're emerging out of a global pandemic that as for all of the, especially in the States, it's just so divided and everything is wanting to be, well, you're either falling on this side of the political spectrum or this side of the political spectrum, because you believe this, or you believe that. And we just become so divided. And I just believe we're not that divided as people. I think as human beings, we're actually more alike. And we just got to get back to a place where I think we are, you know, we want to go have a pint with our, 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 our friend who feels completely politically different, but we can still have a pint together and we can still have a laugh, you know, even though we're going to leave and you're going to think this thing, or I'm going to think this thing, or maybe you shape my thoughts a little bit, or maybe I shape your thoughts a little bit, but we've got to stop. We've got to stop being so divided. Um, and you know, if I'm, if I may, since you've opened the door, you know, I feel like the, the, what we see in society is a reflection of the, of the struggle we all have inside the ego and self, the, the fear and the insecurity versus the contentment and the happiness. I think we see that unfold and I may be wrong. I have no idea. This is just my thought. I think when we see the wars and the conflict that exist over years and, and centuries and, and, you know, millennia, um, that it really is a reflection of people's own insecurity. You know, and it's, it's the war that wages on in our minds and our souls is just being uh, manifested in culture wars and society wars. So the more as we, as people can kind of go, Hey, I'm a little bit like you talk about that gap. I'm a little bit closer or I'm more closer now than I was 10 years ago. So maybe as we all sort of take a moment to get that gap a little less, um, balancing the ego and self, we're more open to have conversations with, with people. And it's not cut and dry. Well, you've been bombing me for 200 years, so I will never, you know, but we got a lot of work to do. We have a ton of work to do as a society and we're probably not going to figure it out right away. But I do think this global shift that's happening right now was a swift kick and a, and a hopefully a, a, ultimately a more positive direction for us as humans. Mm. That was a lot, man. I'm unloading a lot today. <laughs> I, I seem to have this effect on people. It's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of unloading and tears and all sorts, you know, but we're, we're good. It's no, good I, stuff. Listen, I, I think you're, you're so spot on, you know, that power of now and, and even what comes with it. It's the fact that you to accept that all we have is the, is the present moment. And when you sort of carry on, you know, raging a war because of something that happened 200 years ago, I'm not saying it's not important, but all I'm saying is, you know, pick your battles, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, it's, um, to tell me this, Michael, what, what are you capable of? Do you think? Uh, I am probably capable of capable of more than I realize <clears throat> back to part of this, you know, human experience this human journey. I think we're, I think we're all capable of more than we realize. And, and I, I don't know if it's a, um, uh, well, actually I, my guess is it's part of probably our evolution is that we are going to evolve next hundred, 200 years, assuming we don't blow ourselves off this planet, that we're all going to start to realize what we're truly capable of. I think I'm, I, you know, I'm really, I'm enjoying this journey right now. Um, and I want 
Yeah, you know, I I don't need to be a Instagram influencer or anything like that. Um, but I look at these people with these large social audiences or these large podcast audiences because I work with them, and I just I, I tend to analyze what they do and the choices that they make, knowing and some do amazing choices, you know, especially as I see in the entrepreneur space, how they impact people and encourage people and live a very very I'm sure plentiful life because they're they're rewarded with you know, business and things like that. But I do look at people with large audiences, celebrities and how they choose to, you know, use their celebrity and use their audience. So when you ask me what I'm capable of, it'd be really neat someday to have a really large audience to see, to, to have a power and influence to, to influence, you know, to, you know, positively affect them. I look at people, a big fan of Russell Brand. And I look at the way Russell Brand has taken his life from, you know, uh, addiction, terrible addiction, terrible, terrible, terrible addiction. And I, I have no idea if he's a polarized figure in, in, in Britain or in England. Um, so that I have, you know, this could be a, a terrible example, but I just look at it as he overcame addiction, uh, probably encouraged and inspired people through his recovery. And now is doing YouTube videos about state of the world and asking questions um, having a good laugh, which I think is part of it. Humor probably helps, but having a good laugh at, you know, you know, I don't watch everything he does, but you know, you know, there's always a good chuckle in there, but at the same time, asking questions about our personal human journeys and how we're getting along and, you know, what's really happening and things like that. So I look at those and I was like, wow, that's, that's somebody maybe who's starting to tap into what they are truly capable of and having an impact on this world. It, it does seem, I mean, I think Russell Brown is, is a great example. I mean, is it comes across as like, and you've talked about it, that, um, that recognition of contrast, you know, that sort of from the deepest, darkest hours come the brightest moments, you know, it's oh, that, you know, I was, you know, I really was in a bad place and this happened, this happened, this happened, but as a result, the contrast and the uh, the motivation or the inspiration is that I will never go back there. And this is why my why is so big. Does, does that resonate with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, I don't know that I, you know, I'm, I'm thankfully am not, you know, I, I did not come from the depths of, you know, terrible addiction. I do have addiction in my family and I've seen what that can do. So I probably resonate a little bit closer with, with Russell's journey in that space, you know, but I did have my own things that I unearthed myself from to not, you know, and for me, it was just, you know, I, it's, it's trivial, I'm sure in some circles, but, you know, I got out of a corporate space and, and now have a fresher perspective on the work that I choose to do, the life that I choose to lead. Um, and it's, it's funny, it's not even a, I'm not going to go back to that corporate space again. It's just that I'll go back to that space, but I'm going to do it under the conditions that work for me and not the conditions that are dictated by a you know, large corporation or things like that, you know, that's, you know, part of my journey is just now the happiness and the, the joy of life is too important to mm -hmm. sacrifice, you know, our well-being or to sacrifice our happiness for what a job, you know, there's mm -hmm. plenty of ways, plenty of ways to, uh, you know, I've, I've found in entrepreneurship that, um, got really creative, got really creative when I needed to. And that just says that, okay, you know, life is not just about, don't get me wrong, paycheck every two weeks, not a bad thing, but there's other ways to do it. There's other ways to achieve that goal and be happy doing it.
Do you think in general people get you? I think so. I think what I hear a lot from people is, um, it's what I hear a lot from people. And I know this to be true about the statement I'm going to make, cause I try to coach people on it is people hear passion. People hear when somebody cares about something. Um, and I try to be authentic when I show up, you know, try to be authentic during our chat today. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure there's people who don't and that's their journey, not mine. But the, I think so, you know, I think what people say to me is, wow, you really have a lot of passion when, especially if I'm talking about what we talked about at the beginning, spoken word media and things like that. Um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have to sell my product, but I'm not a salesperson. I'm, I have no utter concept on how to sell, but I know how to talk about what I love doing. And what I've found is that people have come back to me saying, your passion was infectious. I can't wait to work with you kind of thing. So, yeah, I think so. Hope so. I find it intriguing because what, what I'm sort of getting slightly is your, your input senses are typically auditory, but yet okay. your, your outputs are typically kinesthetic. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. The auditory stuff... I, definitely is a, is a function of what I've chosen as a path. Um, but, and, and I just do it, you know, that's why I say it's like this one thing I know how to do more than, you know, I, I have a very, and we all do. And so when I go back to what I said, again, we all have a very unique skill set. We all have a thing. We all have a thing that we know how to do better than 99.99999% of all the people that walk on planet earth. For me, it's taking the lessons learned of working with crazy radio personalities and talk show hosts and helping entrepreneurs and mission-driven people tell a story that's powerful, that connects with people. That is the thing that I know how to do and I enjoy it. I love it. You know, it's, um, that's the audio side of it, but I think the rest of it is way more. It's just bigger. It's, it's so much, you know, it's the difference between what you did. And I try to talk about this a lot. It's the difference between what you do and who you are. So what I do is very audio. Like I said, I love it. And I'm, and I, I just know how to do it. Um, but the, who I am is the much broader. It's, it, it spans all spans all senses. You know, it's super interesting, you know, and how we're all made up, but tell us uh, for you, where, where's your, do you have a place of most creativity? You know, I mean, some people it's shower, some people it's in the water, it's something else. Do you have a yeah. particularly creative spot? Uh, early morning. Just I, so I have a ritual. I get up every morning, I make my tea and I go sit down with my journal and I started journaling and journaling for me has been an incredibly transformative experience. Um, I, I used to meditate in the morning and then I shifted actually just this year to journaling and it's just been incredible. Um, and what I find in when I journal is that, that, that um, it's a, it clears all the, garbage and the crap or anything. And it sets me up for a creative space. Um, I tend to be more creative in the morning. Um, I tend to be creative. Um, when I walk my dog, I love walking my dog every day and she's a cute little beagle corgi mix. She's very old and she walks very slow. So we just kind of ramble and saunter around the block. We're not going anywhere fast. Um, but that's sort of a, that's sort of like if the beginning of the day is the create, the creative clarity, the end of the day is the assessment 
you know, sort of the clearing again, but now to, you know, reflect and things like that. Um, those are the times that, that seem to, and, and I do though, I will, cause you said it, there are plenty of times where I've been in the shower and I think it's just the white noise. It's just like, Oh my God, that's a great idea. I got to go write that down, you know, but those are the spaces that tend to work. Mm, no, absolutely. It's, it's like, it's amazing how much stuff happens in the shower. It's great. Oh, it's, no. it's point of clarity. Tell me what's, what's a bit of a, a guilty pleasure for you and take away the guilt if you wish. I don't mind. Uh, you know, I mean, the guilty pleasure for me, um, I, I love a good martini, love it sitting on a good, good extra dry gin. Um, you know, here in Mexico, we all have rooftops so we can sit on rooftops, these beautiful views. I love that. Love a good martini. Um, probably a bit too much. So thus the cleanse, thus none of that for the next three weeks, but you know, learn to taper that off over the years, but yeah. But my wife and I love to, you know, go into great restaurants, um, you know, really good food, like really just, um, it doesn't have to be the fancy restaurants. Oftentimes it's not the fancy restaurants, but if you can put us at a really unique restaurant that maybe has a bar with a good atmosphere, a couple of martinis and a great meal. Oh man, I do that every night. Can't afford to do it every night, but I would do it every night. Love that. Well, since you've gone there, then take us, take us through a last supper. It can be anything, anywhere. So start mains dessert. Where are we going? What are we having? Uh, we're starting with a couple of martinis. Um, uh, it would be a collection of probably meals from some of my favorite restaurants. Uh, we lived in Brooklyn, New York for a couple of years, a few years ago. And, um, there's just so many good restaurants in New York city. Um, some of our favorites, um, it's a little French restaurant. That's got a, a great dessert. I mean, this, that's a great question. I, I would need a lot of time to figure that one out because it would just, I know I'd be sitting at a bar. I know I'd be sitting in a bar and a nice, cold, dark sort of New York restaurant or something, you know, we love to sit at the bar and eat or we're, we're that couple. I'd much rather sit at a bar than sit at a table. Um, I just like the camaraderie and the community of it. Um, but yeah, it's a great, probably a, some sort of Asian inspired meal, but with the feel of a New York city, dark restaurant. Asian inspired, some sort of tartar sushi and, you know, green tea dessert that that would be the, the, the taste of choice probably. Um, but give me a, give me a great martini in a New York city bar. And I'm very happy as is my wife. It's a good place for us. That's super interesting isn't it? that, you know, the, the, the bar is your, your, your go-to preference. And you talked about community. I mean, and I can't help but think how that's, almost like a form of radio show right it's it's oh yeah this connection without it's not direct connection but there's connection it's oh yeah i always coach people on that uh and my my bigger talk show host it's just you never don't ever think you're talking to an audience you know your audience is half a million people but don't think about half a million people think of one and you're sitting next to them at a bar <clears throat> or a cafe or whatever that is for you whatever that and, and that's that's true with the biggest people I work with. And it's true with the beginners. You're just talking to one person. You're just having a, you're just having a pint. You're just having a martini. You're just having a tea. You're sitting across a cafe. You're talking to one person. That's it. That's all it is. It's literally one person. Yes. Your audience may be a million, 500 million or however many, but you're only ever talking to one person period. 
So yeah, so sitting in a bar is very, very much that. Who's the one person you'd love to talk to? Uh, I would, I would love to talk to Russell Brand. Love to have a conversation with him. I just think that would be the most interesting. I'd love to be a guest on his podcast. He puts on some interesting guests. He tends to um, take his guests in a very, um, if you listen to enough episodes, a predictable place because it's where he's where he's at, you know, as far as his journey. Um, but yeah, he's just he would be an interesting person to just sit down and have a have a good chat with. Um, that comes to mind, and it probably comes to mind because we talked about it earlier. But he would be on that top list. Probably another person I'd love to have a chat with is Anthony Bourdain. Um, you know, God rest his soul. But that's a guy. He just, every word out of his mouth was just some prophetic brilliance. And yet he struggled so deeply with his demons his whole life. And that was such a contrast of his struggle, but he was, you know, he put magic on a plate. He, you know, did a lot of things very successful in the, in the culinary world, but he just, he understood the importance of food and how it brings people together. And I just. Yeah, I, I think if I had to put a number one person on that list, it would be Anthony Bourdain. Oh, wow, your uh, your foodie side is really starting to show here. It is. <laughs> well, I'm hungry, and as I told you, I, I was probably going to need to to go about ten minutes ago, just because I am on this very regimented, this very regimented. You must eat at this time. So as I as I kind of precluded the very 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 beginning as we started, there might come a time where I'm I am like. Yep. You, I need to, I need to go get my, uh, my 11 o'clock shake or whatever I'm going to have this morning. Well, we're going to be respectful of that. So tell me if you were to describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, Michael, how, what would you say? Uh, well, passion would be one of those words. And I think that means I have a passion. I want to share my passion, but I want to uncover your passion and passion is that fire. Um, uh, importance comes up as I think about it, because I just think it's important, you know, like we talked about in this conversation, you know, that's why I love, that's why when I came across your podcast, I was just like, this is so important because we have to honor it. And regardless of what my dictator boss said a few years ago, I think the fire and belly is an extraordinarily positive thing. And as we start to uncover it, what we uncover is, you know, maybe some of the answers to our bigger questions, you know, why are we here? Well, if you stay, take a, a, a listen to the fire in your belly, you know, they, they, there's a reason why people say, well, you know, my gut's telling me this or my gut instinct, you know, there's a reason why there's an expression fire in the belly. You know, there's something going on in this part of the world of our own world. That is our, you know, our second brain. And if we listen to it and I believe it's important to listen to it, we're going to uncover a passion that's there that, that, that sets us up. Wow. Yeah. Passion and importance, very, very powerful. Yeah. So tell us, how can people reach out to you, follow you, stalk you, track you down, all the above? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a, uh, a very special, my podcast roadmap. So if you go to yourpodcastcoach.com forward slash belly, which I'm creating just for this uh, conversation, um, I'm going to put on there my podcast roadmap. But uh, uh, and I haven't done it yet because I don't ever do these until our conversation is done. 
but a reflection on this conversation on how somebody who is interested in starting a podcast can kind of take away from what you do and really from our dialogue. Um, if, you know, if they're, if they're a listener of you, if there's somebody in your audience, clearly they are here for what you have to offer. So how can we take what mighty Pete does and his special unique ability as having conversations? How can we do what mighty Pete does and turn that into a podcast for yourself? So the two tools I like to, will like to give to your audience is my roadmap. That's free. Um, but then a five to 10 minute video, kind of a reflection on this, on if you're interested in starting a podcast, what you can learn, what you can learn from mighty Pete, what you can learn from fire in the belly and what you can learn from your own fire in your belly. So your podcastcoach.com forward slash belly. And uh, you can get all that for free. Wow. Awesome. Awesome service. That's what it's all about. Final thoughts you'd like to leave with the listener? No, I think I've kind of left it all on the table, to be honest with you. Uh, I think we had a great chat. And um, I think if I'm leaving a final thought is, um, you know, hopefully there was something in this conversation that, um, that sparked something inside. And I, and I, and you can only hope that, you know? So a final thought is I, I hope that for a person listening to not just me, but the dialogue that you and I have been having is that maybe this was the moment that they needed. And I hope that that has been how we can serve people in this moment. Love it. Michael, I thank you so much for that. I really appreciate you. And I have no doubt we will speak again. Thank you. You bet. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.